We're rolling. Welcome to the House Dudes Podcast, where we invite you to follow us on our journey towards financial freedom using the power of real estate. I'm Jack Haas. And I'm Josh Koth. Here at House Dudes, we believe in a couple key principles. Number one, the best way to retain information is by teaching it to others. And number two, a rising tide lifts all boats. We're not competitors, we're a community. So let's get into some real estate investing. Well, we have Chris Larson on the call here today, and I want to call you out right away, Chris, because I know you have a podcast as well, and I want to make sure people have that information and they can find you up right up front. So nextlevelincome.com, and uh, you can find Next Level Income Show, Next Level Income on all of the social media, so make sure you look up Chris there. But um, Chris has been a managing partner of Next Level income for a while. And in fact, he's been uh, investing since the age 21. So he's got a long history associated with this, but there's going to be a lot of ground to cover. And I I warned you, I have kind of some time restraints, so we're going to just jump right in. But uh, Chris, thank you so much for joining us here. Likewise, Jack, thanks for for having me on the show today. I'm excited. So why don't we talk about how how you got things started off here because I, I understand there was a bit of a life-changing uh, event or two that that caused you to reconsider your path yeah so uh, you mentioned you mentioned the the website jack nextlevelincome.com our podcast is on there but I, I also talk a lot about what we're going to be discussing today in my book which uh, if you're listening and, and you want to get a copy today it's at the book link or nextlevelincome.com slash book and I talk about in there how I lost my father at age five, but really for me, big shift mentally and philosophically was when my best friend died. He was 18. I was a year older, 19. Um, it was in my freshman, sophomore year of college. And what I wanted to do then, I, I didn't really want to be in school. I just wanted to race my bicycle, but I was in school for engineering at Virginia Tech. Um, we, we joked a little bit about kind of how boring... Um, you know, doing computing and different things are. And I can tell you that I went to school with some super intelligent people and I looked around and I thought, man, I don't, I don't think this is what I, I'm supposed to be doing. And I thought I'm going to go race my bike, be a professional and come back and figure out like what I want to do professionally. When my friend died, it took me about a year. I put my head down. It was really my therapy. I was racing my bike, riding my bike. And I'd go ride for two, three six hours a day. I trained mm. up to up to 30 hours a week at that time. And it was very cathartic. After a year of doing that, I won my friend Chris Strader, his memorial race for the second year in a row. And in, in pretty dominant fashion, I was in great shape. I'd moved up to a category one cyclist, which once you're a category one, you race with the pros and you can get a professional license. And after winning that race, I came across the line jack and I felt hollow. And I, I about a week later, I quit. And mm-hmm. I thought, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. I meant to do more. I didn't know what it was at the time, but I knew that just riding my bike around in circles wasn't what I was meant to do. I needed to do more to honor not only my life, but also my friend Chris's life. I felt like I had to live two lives at once. Mm -hmm. And that was the big shift when I decided that I needed freedom. I needed financial independence so that when I had the opportunity to, whether it was do something exciting, like take a trip down the Grand Canyon, like I did with uh, a small group of friends two years ago, where we spent almost three weeks in the Grand Canyon, or whether it's doing something like today, where we're going and trying to help people, you know, learn about, you know, financial matters, real estate and achieve financial independence. Right. 
You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's shocking how many times I've had other people on the show that, uh, that have stories or something that, that causes it to trigger this type of activity. Um, what I think is more important is the fact that you, you took the moment to recognize that something needed to happen, that the change had to ha- take place. And until you're in that proper mindset, you, you kind of stay with the standard quo. Yeah. And I think, you know, so I've done some research into this, Jack, and, you know, it's interesting. There's a pretty high correlation between losing a parent and success in life. Mm-hmm. And what I'm kind of distilling it down, but you know, when you're young, time is infinite. And if you can do a little bit of math, like my, my eight and 10 year old son can do the, when time is infinite, value is near zero. So if you're mm-hmm. dividing, you know, by an infinite number, what happens is value decreases exponentially. Right. When you realize that time is finite, you realize how much more valuable every day is. And when you literally see your your 18-year-old best friend in front of you who just lost his life, as I did, and think, I'm already older than him. This could, this could be me. Like, is, mm. Am I really getting everything out of my life? And then as I got older, as I had children, Jack, uh, I turned 42 this year. My father died at age 41. And I knew as I got closer and closer to 41, it was, it was like I, I accelerated with some of the things that I wanted to do. And you know, I tell people, like never, like, never let a day pass you by where you don't get the most out of it. Do your best every day. You know, live, live the, most, you know, the biggest experiences. But I think that's, that's the thing. You know, when you have a loss like that, it shows you that time is finite and it makes you, you know, want to get more out of every day, whether it's a Saturday or whether it's, you know, a Wednesday. Right. You know, what, what would you say to people, you know, like, uh, you know, you had some pretty traumatic events in your life that, that led you here, but, um, I try to try to get it across to some people that, you know, we don't have to have those type of traumatic events to take this type of action, like what would you say to those people? Like, how do you, how do you get them in motion? Yeah. So I think, you know, everybody has to uh, operate at their own speed. You have to kind of meet people where they are. And, you know, some people are going to, going to have their own motivations and their own things. And I wouldn't wish, I wouldn't wish upon anybody, you know, the, the loss that I've experienced in my life, certainly, but you can't, if, if you need motivation, you know, you can experience that. You can, you can talk to people. Um, mm-hmm. I think the first thing is gratitude. So the great tools that I like to use is called a five minute journal. And I get up every morning and I say three things that I'm grateful for. And then three mm-hmm. things that I'm excited about and kind of get you, get you going. And then, you know, you can also find sources of inspiration. There's a book and I, I may not remember the exact name. It's called from, I think like sector 15. Um, but it's a story about a prisoner that was born in North Korea and he was born in this um, concentration camp, in this uh, work camp, and he'd never lived in the real world. And he was told a story about meat, like, like just like eating meat. So the only sources of protein that these prisoners would get would be rats that killed or insects. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's it. They get, they get rice to eat. That was it. So he was motivated to escape from this camp by thought of eating cooked meat. Like that was his big thing. And like, I couldn't conceptually think about that. And what they talk about in the book 
that people that were put in this prison camp that had lived in the outside world would commit suicide at these astronomical rates because they knew what, what the outside world was like and what they were giving up. While as prisoners that were born there, they really didn't kill themselves because they knew they didn't know anything different. Mm-hmm. And reading this book and seeing how something so small could motivate somebody, it, for me, it was very inspirational. Um, but again, it illustrates the point that you know, if you haven't gone through these things, you may not be able to, to process them. Um, but what I can tell you is, you know, if, if you're listening, you have a special talent. You have the ability to get everything you want out of your life. And even if you don't know it, a lot of times, like small things that, that you say for people can dramatically change their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, go back to what you had originally were talking about, too, regarding time and time being an infinite. I mean, just comparing what I was doing 20 years ago versus, you know, spending my free time, you know, you, you, as your younger age, you just don't put the proper value on that time and, you know, throwing time away because you're playing video games or or what have you versus now I annoy my family because I'm walking around with a podcast or an audio book playing in my pocket all the time. You know, it's, (laughs) it's, it's really, it's really a different, like you said, you know, you start to see that time is not forever. I mean, you don't have, you don't have all the time in the world anymore. So, uh, you know, it turned into a mindset piece, but we, and I know we didn't uh, have you on the show for that, but I I did want to talk briefly because we haven't talked about this in quite a while on the show, actually, the concept around infinite banking. And I know that you have some thoughts around that. Um, Why don't we, why don't we dive into that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, uh, it's a great segue if you talk about like what happened to my father or my friend. You know, my father had some life insurance that you know helped help provide a bit of a cushion for us um, when he passed away. It wasn't it wasn't a lot. And it, one thing that is interesting is like no one ever has too much life insurance. Like that's mm-hmm. that's one thing that I think really you know sticks out. Um, but so the infinite banking concept is something that my wife and I, our family has been using for about 12 years now. It was a concept developed by Nelson Nash. And what it is, a lot of people are going to hear this and, and potentially cringe or be like, what are you talking about? It's a specifically structured whole life insurance contract. So a lot of people have learned just like I did when I worked for State Farm, buy term and invest a difference. And that I thought was the best way. Well, what I've really studied and learned over the last 10 years, Jack, is how do the wealthiest, how do the ultra rich invest and how do they structure their finances? And one of the secrets of the rich is whole life insurance. If you buy a whole life policy, you essentially increase your net worth just significantly the day you buy it, as long as you don't let that policy lapse. But when infinite banking is, it's a specialized structure to maximize the cash value of the insurance and minimize the insurance itself. So if you if you flip those around, what happens is you can actually have a, a insurance policy that's taxed and you really don't want to pay tax on insurance proceeds. So you know if you work with a special, what you can do is structure these policies and it almost acts like a Roth IRA. And the cool thing is you can invest your money in two places at once. So actually rewrite my book. So you know if you, if you want to get the book on the website, um, it's chapter three and I talk about what I call my opportunity fund and how we structure a life 
insurance policies to basically accumulate cash at a rate that's faster than what you would get in the bank. So mm-hmm. we're, we're accumulating cash and we're getting a return of around 4 to 6% inside of our policies. And the cool thing is we've structured them specifically so that we can pull that money out and invested in other places. We've used it for things like buying cars. We've used it as an emergency fund. We've used it to fund you know, syndicated deals that we've put together. And you can also use it to fund retirement or in lieu of, say, a 529 plan for your children's education. And it's been so important for me. Um, I've had a, had a personal friend whose wife passed away and put these policies in place. So people will say to me, well, Chris, I can get a better return in the stock market. I don't want you to think about it like an investment. If you ask my friend what his return on his investment was when his life passed, his wife passed away, he'd he'd probably punch you in the face. Like this is this is insurance that has a cash component that can be used as a specific uh, tool in your in your investment process. Um, so you can check that out at our banking page. We have a, a white paper that we've put up there about how we use it specifically, but it's been very valuable to myself as well as you know a lot of my friends and uh, the investor network that we work with. Yeah. So if you want to get into the weeds on this, uh, make sure you head over to nextlevel.com, nextlevelincome.com for, uh, for those details. But could you go into a little bit about how this might differ from a self-directed IRA, for example? Yeah, great question. So first off, I believe that uh, qualified plans like 401ks, IRAs, self-directed IRAs are valuable and and they and you can you can they're a good place to have in your portfolio. A lot of people have a 401k or an IRA that they they can't get that money out. So, you know, it's great to be able to roll that into a self-directed IRA and utilize things. So, what this is going to do, it's first off, it's a whole policy. So you're going to have that life insurance component. But if you think about it like, uh, it's kind of like buying a house. Let's say you buy a million dollar policy and you have a set premium. Let's say, and I'm just going to use round numbers. So you know, don't assume that these are actual numbers. But let's say you, know, you buy a policy and it's a million dollars and you put $1,000 a month in that policy. Mm-hmm. Well, that $1,000, if it's for 30 years, like a year mortgage, is going to be, excuse me, it's going to be consistent over those 30 years. It's never going to go up and it's, it's not going to go down like a mortgage. Now, in reality, there is some flexibility. You can put more or less in with a properly structured policy. But what happens is initially, that $1,000, a big portion of the first part of um, the term of that policy is going to be going to the cost of the insurance. Well, after a period of time, it's going to flip. And what's going to happen is the cash value in your policy is going to go up more than $1,000 a month. Just like your mortgage, at some point, if you had a house for, say, 20 years, 15, 20 years, your house is going to be appreciating in value and the principal that you're paying down is going to be going up as well. So the equity that you're getting is going to be a significant portion or even more than what you're getting into it. So what's neat is just like a house where you can pull out a line of credit, you can pull money out of these policies and put it to work. So I like to think of it kind of like real estate. So if you understand real estate mm-hmm. and understand how principal paydown works and how appreciation works, it's very similar how these policies work. Sure. So can can you talk a little bit then how somebody can you get, let's walk through like a scenario on how this actually kind of works a little bit. I think it usually paints sure. a better picture than us kind of throwing out a lot of details. So let's talk about 
let's say I uh, have a, I found a multifamily property or a REIT or something that I wanted to take advantage of or a syndication. Like if you go, in fact, I think you have some rounds coming up, right? Uh, so if people are interested in that, go do, to yeah. nextlevelincome.com for those type of details as well. But how would they use this in, in those type of scenarios? Sure. Excuse me one second. Pardon me. I had to cough there. Um, yeah. So let's, again, let's use some round numbers, Jack. So let's say you have a million dollar policy that you've been funding for a period of time. And now what's called the cash value is uh, say $150,000. And mm. you would like to pull out $100,000 to either you know buy your own property, invest it in a syndication, whatever you may want. You call up your insurance company or email them and you typically have to fill out a short couple page form. And typically within five business days, that money will be in your account. They don't do a credit check. They don't ask you what the money's for. Now they do charge you interest. So typically the interest rate in these policies, uh, today we're looking at interest rates around four or 5%. Mm -hmm. So some people may say, well, that's not a great interest rate. Well, the reason the interest rates are where they are is because these life insurance companies have been around for decades since and in some cases, the ones we work with before the Civil War, they're stable. They know how to invest their money because they have to pay out when there is a loss, right? right. So the insurance company, that money that you pay in interest, that is part of the return that they're getting that they're using to fund the growth so that they have that money. Mm -hmm. The neat thing is if it's a specifically structured policy, you borrow this $100,000 you're paying $5,000 a year in simple interest. It's not compound. It's simple. You still get a dividend. So typically, insurance companies are paying out a dividend around 4%. It may be as high as 5 or 6%, but let's say 4%. So your net cost of borrowing may be, may be as low as 1%, you know, 1%, mm -hmm. 2%. So you borrow that $100,000. let us say you have an investment that's going to pay you 10%. Let's just assume it's a fixed rate and you're paying 5%. So that spread is 5% or $5,000 a year. And the insurance company is still going to pay you their dividends. So let's say that's 4000 a year. So here you are, you're getting 10000 plus 4000 which is fourteen, minus your $5,000. you are netting $9,000 on that. And you have, that's why I say you can invest your money in two places at once because you still have your insurance policy that's out there. The cash mm -hmm. value will still continue to grow. And then you can also grow it in another place, like a real estate uh, syndication or your own or your own deal. And then when that deal sells, you can pay off that or not pay off the loan because the insurance company doesn't care because your policy is their collateral. So mm -hmm. for the insurance company, it's a no-brainer. There's no safer investment for you. If there's no credit check, it doesn't go in your credit report. You are first in line to borrow that money, and you know what that interest rate is. It's it's not it's not going to um, fluctuate by, by massive amounts like you, you may get in some other uh, scenarios. Sure. Is there any other reporting or regulations that people need to be aware of when, when dealing with this? So not typically. Um, the issue is if um, you are structuring these policies, you have to be careful about how you structure the length, the amount you put in there. So if you overfund them, what happened was back in the 80s, 70s, 80s, 
affluent people were putting a ton into these policies as, as tax shelters. So under some of the tax law that went into effect in the 80s, they have laws what are called modified endowment contracts. So if you are laws around what's called a modified endowment contract. So basically, if you put too much money in and violate that law, what's called the seven payroll or a certain amount of money that you have to put in um, or, or less than that over seven years, as long as you follow those rules, you're not going to have tax consequences. So you got to be very careful with that. Um, the other thing is if you said, oh, this is great. I'm going to go talk to my insurance agent about this. Not every insurance company can do this. Mm-hmm. So you have to be working with a mutual insurance company. So that's a company where the policy owners are the owners of the company. It's called a mutual insurance company. And it has to be what's called non-direct recognition. So what that means is if you borrow that money out, the insurance company is still going to pay you interest on the cash value, even though you have it borrowed. And if some of you are saying, well, how can I pull money out and still get interest on it? The reason is they're actually taking money out of their general fund and loaning from that and leaving your cash value and your policy as collateral to use. So if, if you work with a group that specializes in that as um, our owners at Money Insights do, they're going to make sure that all that's taken care of. You don't have to worry at all about that. Um, but it's very, it's very efficient. There's some terrific laws in most around protections around that insurance as well. So if you're a high net worth individual, if you're a professional and you want to have uh, money that's very secure, it's a very nice way to do that. Sure. No, it, it's, and it's, it seems like I think I've even seen uh, whether it's on your website or, or somewhere that when it comes to this type of thing, you would typically prefer some sort of multifamily investment, right? Like, uh, in fact, I think I even heard you say once that it's the holy grail. So why don't we? <laughs> it's right on my, it's right on my book. Yeah. So it's right. And yeah, that's whoop. Um, so, uh, so first off, I, you can use the strategy that I was just talking about with infinite banking to invest in, in really anything, but you just want to mm-hmm. make sure that, um, you know, you, you have, you have, a predictable flow of funds coming in that's going to be greater than that that uh, interest rate that you're paying out. Um, certainly, you can borrow and buy stuff, you know, like cars and different things, and you can you can pay that back. But when it comes to multifamily, so in in the book, I talk about why I call it the holy grail, and it's really based around a few different things, Jack. So one, in multifamily, you get cash flow, you get appreciation, and you get great tax benefits all in a passive investment vehicle. I talk about how when I transitioned from single family homes and a multifamily, I did so as an investor first. About three years later, we syndicated our first deal. We had learned and developed some relationships and partnerships in the space. Um, But the other reason I call it the holy grail, if you look at it from a risk perspective, and I kind of stole this term from Ray Dalio, who he is the founder of Bridgewater. And Bridgewater Capital is the largest and most people would say the most successful hedge fund in the history. And what Ray Dalio calls the holy grail is the ability to increase your return and increase your risk. And in the book, I talk about how if you blend multifamily real estate, cash flow multifamily real estate into a traditional stock and bond portfolio, you can actually increase the predicted return and decrease the risk of that portfolio. And there's a holy grail right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. And in fact, uh, you know, I, I can't recommend it enough for people to head over to your website that 
nextlevelincome.com and and get a copy of your book. I, I think we're just scratching the surface of a lot of the a lot of this information here. But um, and and I told you I'm, I'm sorry I'm on a I'm on a time constraint here. So we're let's let's take a minute to kind of summarize a few of the things we, we talked about just to, to highlight so people don't forget. Um, first of all, we, we, we started off with a little mindset, and I think it is a very important exercise that you've do, and I, and I, I think you, you might have motivated me here to, to do this myself. Uh, take five minutes when you get up and write down three things you're thankful for and three things you're excited about every single day. I, I really like that way of uh, getting some direction uh, for your day. And a little motivation to kickstart your day. That that's an awesome strategy. And and if you've been doing that for a while, I I commend you awesome. for it. I mean, that's that's awesome. Um, it's always interesting when I've talked to people about this regarding the life insurance and the infinite banking. And and um, we covered a lot of ground here today. But people should really consider it, especially if you have a life insurance. Um, already, you know, there might be a way in which to either convert it or, or find another plan that's better suited for your investment goals. Um, Certainly. And, and, and uh, yeah, and I'm sure if, you, if they go to nextlevelincome.com, is there a way to reach you and maybe even chat a little bit more about that? Yeah. So if you're specifically interested in the infinite banking concept, Jack, uh, we have a banking link and we have a short video, like a PowerPoint presentation and also a white paper on there that basically dives deeper into the concept that I discussed. And if you, if you put your info in there, um, you can set up a time to have a discussion about that. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned, you know, you got to make sure you find the right provider because I've brought this up to a couple of my insurance providers and I more than not get blank stares. They don't. They typically don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it is. It's you know the challenge is that. And again, this is not you know this isn't saying that um, you know one insurer is better than another insurer. It's just a specific tool. So if you go work with somebody, typically these policies the agents are paid a commission because you're, you're minimizing the amount of insurance and maximizing the cash value. It's kind of the reverse way of insurance. Mm -hmm. And that's what Nelson Nash kind of figured out. He like hacked life insurance to do that. Mm -hmm. So you need to make sure one, you're working with an agent that specializes in this concept. And two, you're working with a provider an insurer that is, is that works through a mutual non-direct recognition. So, and then we talked about how multifamily, you consider that the Holy Grail. And, and uh, um, you know, I, we, I, I really think that that is your expertise. And it's something that uh, if you really want more information around that and regarding syndications and a few other things, make sure you check out his show. And you can find that at, uh, well, at that website again, Next Level Income. And you can find it, I think it's Next Level Show on any podcast app, right? Yeah, we try to make it simple. So uh, nextlevelincome.com, Next Level Income Show, and the book is Next Level Income as well. So I, I really appreciate your time, Chris. Uh, this has been great, and, and I hope we can maybe have a time where we can talk a little longer. That'd be terrific, Jack, likewise. 
We've put a lot of effort into providing useful content, and if you've found value in the show and have any interest in supporting us with a small donation, head over to patreon.com slash housedudes. And if you have any thoughts or questions, shoot us an email at info at housedudes.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at housedudes. And if you like what you're hearing, head over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It really helps other investors out there find the show. And remember, massive positive impact requires massive positive action. We'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by housedudes.com. Do you have time to actively manage flipping and rentals yourself? If so, go for it. If you live in a market that won't cash flow or don't have the time to do all the work, are you just out of luck? If there was a way to participate more passively, would that appeal to you? I'm sure you have questions about how the process works and what to do next. If that's the case, fill out the form on housedudes.com investors, and we'll reach out to see if you are a good fit for our business. This is first come first serve, and we will have to stop taking applications when our goals are met. See you at housedudes.com investors. a man what to do with his money, but if you ain't investing in property, then you're dumber than a dummy. I'm not dumb. I'm smart. Well, buy property. That's my advice. <laughs>